Good day, greetings everyone, and welcome to another edition of Fake News Friday, September 30th, 2022. It is fantastic to have you aboard. I am Andrew Lawton, helping you navigate through the blizzard of lies that dominates the fodder that we so lovingly curate for you on Fake News Friday. Joined, as always, uh, the man who rises above fake news at every opportunity, except when he's like mucking around in it just to find the good stuff for you, uh, Harrison Faulkner. Harrison, another week passes us by. How was this one for you? It was good. It was good. We had a big, we had a big announcement on Monday that uh, the the mandates were dropping for uh, the mask and arrive can and, and vaccines for entry. But nonetheless, Andrew, even though we got some good news, of course, the usual uh, menu of fake news was served right up to us this week. And uh, there's quite a lot to get into. There is, but I, I will, I think you prompted this in me. I will wish everyone tomorrow, uh, if you're watching this today, it's released Friday, tomorrow, Saturday, October 1st, happy vaccine mandate freedom day from the federal government. It's a, a gift that is much too belated from Justin Trudeau, but nonetheless, uh, one that will celebrate it. So I think the old thanks for coming to the party at all, uh, even if you came after we're already packing it up and everyone's left. But in any case, let's talk about uh, this one. So the Globe and Mail, I should preface this by saying, has been one of the few legacy media outlets that has been unafraid of really going after the liberals on some key stories, especially when it comes to Justin Trudeau's ethics abuses, so I don't do what Gerald Butts and Justin Trudeau do, which is say that the globe is actually fake news. That being said, every now and then, even the most well-meaning media outlet will sometimes succumb to that impulse to start spewing liberal talking points. And in this particular case, they've run a column by Rob Carrick saying that the conservatives are all wrong when they say that CPP, Canada Pension Plan Premiums, are not a tax. They're running literal liberal talking points on this because this is what the liberals say. When Pierre Polyev talks about increases to CPP, which the liberals are putting forward, that's more money that employees have to have taken out of their paycheck. It's more money that employers have to pay out of their bottom line to have an employee. So for all intents and purposes, that is a tax to Canadians. It's a tax to Canadian businesses. It's a tax to Canadian employees. And Pierre Polyev points that out and the Globe and just bam taking the liberal position there no exactly and really what what should we expect andrew we've seen as you said the global mail's not that bad we've seen many other legacy media outlets do justin trudeau's bidding for him and his government and they always try and nitpick out exactly where polyev uh goes wrong and and it's all about it's always language right it's always this this politics language you can call it a premium or you can call it a tax. But as you said, at the end of the day, Andrew, it's just money coming out of your pocket to pay into a system, which you eventually get money out of. No one is, no one is, you know, questioning the definition of, of the pension plan and what that is all about. But again, like you said, when you're paying money into a system and that goes up, that is for all, for all intents and purposes, a tax, you are paying money into something. And it's obvious because at the very end of this uh, article by uh, this Globe Mail writer, he writes, it'll take some sacrifice for households to afford higher CPP premiums next year, but it's justified by their future retirement needs. It's just, it's a, it's a talking point. It's a government talking point. It's, it's literally written by the PMO. You'd almost think it's ridiculous. But again, like we said, it, it, it's been the focus of Pierre Polyev for his first two weeks as leader. He's been hammering the government on affordability. And what a surprise. We have the legacy media coming in to basically mop up the mess for Justin Trudeau exactly on this issue, on affordability. 
The, the funny thing is, too, I mean, the liberals are the ones that say, oh, the conservatives can't call it a tax. Oddly, if you go back about nine years, Justin Trudeau is well aware, well aware that these sorts of taxes are, in fact, payroll taxes. That's why they're called that in political parlance. But Justin Trudeau can't claim he doesn't know this because he said it himself. Mr. Speaker, we have crowdsourced over 3,000 questions from Canadians across the country for the Prime Minister on economic challenges facing the middle class. I want to ask the Prime Minister a question I received from Dustin in Calgary. His question is specifically about his EI premiums, which are rising by $50 this year as direct payroll tax increase. Dustin would like to know why did the Prime Minister choose to raise EI premiums for him and every other working Canadian? Ooh, interesting. Justin Trudeau and Dustin from Calgary. They might be the same person. You never know. Want to know why a raise to the EI premium, or as they call it, a direct payroll tax increase is going into effect. Now, this is in response to Stephen Harper raising EI premiums back in 2013. No point in relitigating that policy, except to say that uh, no government is immune, evidently, from adding these taxes onto consumers. But that's besides the point. Justin Trudeau says when he doesn't want to put them up that they're uh, a tax, and then when he's doing it, no, 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 no one's allowed to call them payroll taxes. No, exactly. That's just the nature of politics, Andrew. And I think, again, like I said, you have to just go into the article to realize what 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 this writer is doing. I mean, he has to do these gymnastics to try and get around the fact that, you know, it isn't a tax and he's and he's trying to push the government talking point. You just read read part of the article. He writes this. However, things turn out, there's a degree of comfort in knowing that the CPP will be there. In fact, enhancements being made to the CPP will produce higher levels of retirement income than previous generations had. You know, he's he's talking about trying to promote the CPP. When actually, when, when he's trying to criticize Pierre Polyev for saying that it's a tax, it's it's like you're it's like you've been instructed, hey, promote this and try and challenge the opposition leader. It's what, another example, Andrew, of the legacy media opposing the opposition leader rather than holding the government to account. Yeah, the the semantics have always been annoying in politics and in media. Like I remember when Aaron O'Toole announced that the conservatives were going to put forward a carbon tax. He had said, oh, no, 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 it's not a carbon tax. It's like a rewards program. And I, look, if you're asking Canadians to pay more money, it is a carbon tax. You can say it's a worthwhile tax. You can say it's a tax that is uh, better managed economically. But if you're demanding more money, especially in these inflationary times, it is a tax. And to, uh, you know, adapt the old uh, Jean Chrétien line, about a proof. A tax is a tax and it's a tax. So it's a tax. So that's my best Jean Chrétien impression. Uh, let's talk about the big media freak out this week, though, firing on all cylinders. And that was the election of Georgia Maloney in Italy as the prime minister designate. Now, this is a, a broad coalition that we have here. The legacy media have not at all been too keen on this. And neither has, I should say, Justin Trudeau or Melanie Jolie or the foreign policy apparatus of Canada, none of whom have given the obligatory congratulatory message that they gave to Mario Draghi, that they gave to Emmanuel Macron, that they gave to Anthony Albanese. Uh, but there's been a particularly bizarre mainstream media take that's like trying to weave this into a weird global and Canadian context. I, I was having trouble following this one, Harrison. Maybe you can make some sense of it. 
Well, right. So what they're trying to do here and what we've seen from a couple of other legacy media sources this week is to try and take the election of Georgia Maloney and what we're seeing in Iran, for example, with the protests, the, the protests against uh, the mandatory hijab there. They're trying to basically say that because of this, th- because of the, the election of the first female prime minister in Italy, women's rights are under attack in Italy. Try and follow that logic. Uh, along with us, because we're having some trouble ourselves. But supposedly, Andrew, women's rights are under attack across the world, and they're kind of using the protests in Iran and the election of Georgia Maloney to say, well, look, this is what's going on. We've got we've got women protesting for their rights in Iran when in Italy, uh, a bunch of Italians just voted in some uh, patriarchal first female prime minister. Again, it's very difficult to follow along with the logic here, but we're trying our best. And then on top of that, Andrew, what they're trying to do, what we've seen from a lot of legacy media sources is to say, actually, the protests in Iran are, you know, you, you can almost compare the struggles that the women are facing in Iran to what is going on in Quebec with Bill C-21. So again, we've got we've got this this one article from the Toronto Star where this columnist is trying to mix all three together. She's trying to basically say that the election of Georgia Maloney spells, you know, danger for women's rights in Italy, again, which is hilarious. And then, you know, the protest in Iran for women's freedom can be equated somehow to the protest in Quebec against Bill C-21, which is about which is about basically saying if you work in the public service, you can't have religious attire on. I'm not going to defend Bill C-21. I don't personally agree with it. But again, the idea that we can compare the two together is ridiculous. And then, of course, to add on top of that, this this idea, Andrew, that Georgia Maloney's election upholds the patriarchy in Italy, in Europe. Try and try and, you know, help me out with this one, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, let, let's first off just explain that away. What they don't like is that she's pro-life and pro-family. They, they don't like that she supports uh, families that have a, a traditional structure, which, again, I'm, I'm a libertarian. I, I don't support restricting gay marriage, but they don't like that she's pro-life, that she doesn't like abortion. They like that she is taking that Victor Orban position of, of believing that strong families build strong societies, which I, I don't think is a controversial thing. But it's interesting how we hear all of the time this hand-wringing about how we need more representation and more women in politics. And then you get a woman who's elected to a very prominent position in Italy, the head of that country's government, a G7 nation. And all of a sudden, well, she's not the right kind of woman. And this column in the Toronto Star makes this point that Maloney is an example of how representation in circles of power is meaningless if the representative does not also challenge the existing hierarchy and bias. The difference with Iran is it doesn't care to make its patriarchy palatable. So the implication is that Iran and Italy are both patriarchies. And Italy, though, is so particularly progressive because Italy has a woman as the patriarch. Now, woman as the... Pay with the p that I I'm rusty on my Latin, but the the pay, I think I think that means uh you know gender non-binary gender neutral patriarch does so you can have a male patriarch a female par- uh, patriarch a uh, gender queer non-binary patriarch doesn't matter you can have any kind of arc you want with that but it's absurd and it's offensive and it's like saying if you didn't like Barack Obama's policies that well he's not really the first black president because you know he he's not voting the right way or uh, something like that. She is a female that's risen up, the first prime minister of Italy, 
You don't have to like her. You don't have to respect her. But it's amazing how they move the goalposts just to rationalize away that. And and as for like linking Italy and Iran and Quebec, I've had to write columns on deadline before when I really don't know what I'm going to say. This strikes me as that where it's like, oh, I've got to submit 800 words. I'm only at 300. Uh, huh. Uh, Quebec. I, yeah, let, let's throw something about Quebec in. That's good for uh, two to three hundred words. And then, oh shoot, I'm still two hundred down. Um, Italy, Iran. Yeah, okay. Italy, Iran, Quebec. Yeah, we'll we'll do those three. It's like one of these things is not like the other. But anyway, no, exactly, Andrew. And I mean, the thing is, is of course, it's very easy to figure out if you're if you're trying to figure out get or get a get get a kind of clearer idea about what's going on in world politics when. Justin Trudeau, or not Justin Trudeau, because he's been silent, noticeably silent, but when a lot of the legacy media are are freaking out about the election of this woman, when you've got, you know, leftists on Twitter losing their minds about Georgia Maloney's election, uh, one thing I saw on Twitter was, this is a good sign as to whether or not you should support this woman. You know, if if, if, if these people are freaking out about it, it's probably, uh, you know, it's probably that she's not that bad. And in the article, this this writer exposes her position. You know, she she writes quotes from Georgia Maloney as though they're the worst things that can be said, as though it's like, oh, horrible that this woman has said this, such as I am a woman. I'm a mother. I am Italian. I am Christian. No, one, no one will take that away from me. So apparently that quote from Georgia Maloney is is evil. This, it's evil, evil sign that. Yeah, exactly. That the that the, the men are coming back to take over the women's rights again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this other line about how you know she writes this. At a rally by Spain's far-right Vox party in June, Maloney said yes to natural families, no to the LGBT lobby, yes to sexual identity, no to gender ideology, yes to the culture of life, no to the abyss of death. Andrew, I've never heard anything so evil in my life. It's it's like Mussolini's coming right back. Yeah, it's bizarre. And, and I mean, this is a, a, a columnist, I should say, at the Toronto Star, who, whose job title is, if I'm not mistaken, social and racial justice columnist. And I think it used to, she used to be the diversity and equity columnist. So it's like a position where you have to find social and racial grievances that you could uh, pluck out. And it, it's fascinating to me that... We're in an era, not all that surprising, but we're in an era where, you know, the, the woman leadership that we all strive for in so many ways doesn't matter if the woman doesn't support the things you support. Yeah, exactly. And this idea, Andrew, that, you know, we're, we're going to really compare the plight of Iranian women who are protesting for their freedom to the Quebec uh, bill the bill c21 is it's it's ridiculous to me it minimizes the real struggle for freedom that we're watching from the iranian women who i think deserve you know immense praise it's been incredible to watch what they're being what they're able to do and of course come, come with that will come the legacy media horrible takes as they always do but again <laughs> it's just it's it's ridiculous to me that we're going to really compare the two together as though there's even there's any semblance of comparison to be, to be had about the plight of Iranian women and uh, religious uh, Muslim women in Quebec who want to wear a hijab in, in, in the public service. So it's just yeah. ridiculous to me, but but predictable. Yeah, very much so. Uh, let's uh, turn to West Lincoln, Ontario, which if you've not been, I've driven through West Lincoln. It's in the Niagara area. And specifically this weird, there, there's just a lot that's weird about this story. And I, I want to set the stage here. So True North reported the other day that uh, Harold Jonker, who's a, a Ward 2 counselor in West Lincoln, was going to be suing the township uh, he serves as a counselor in for taking away his powers, for punishing him, basically, 
specifically for his participation earlier this year in the Freedom Convoy. Now, True North does a lot of groundbreaking investigative work. We publish exclusive reports. This was not an exclusive investigative report. This is a story that came from a press release from the agency representing Harold Jonker as his lawyer, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. So that's the preface here. This is the headline in In Saga, which is also branded as In Niagara Region. It's a, a regional chain in that part of Ontario. Far-right media site says West Lincoln Councillor suing township after Freedom Convoy reprimand. So we're far-right in the headline. Now, in the lead, they're very generous. In the lead, we're just a right-wing media site. Claims a West Lincoln Councillor is suing the township after being reprimanded for participating in the February Freedom Convoy to Ottawa. And then it says this, however... After saying Ward 2 Councillor Harold Jonker was suing the township, the same story says just two sentences later that an organization called the Scare Quotes Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms has announced a lawsuit on his behalf Monday. The next line is my favorite. Obviously, suing the town directly or another body suing the town in your name are two separate things. I... I it gets worse, but I just want to reflect on that for a moment. So that's not actually obvious because it's not true. And generally speaking, something that's not true, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to call obvious. But they're, they're firstly saying that we are the only source of this information. We are the font from which this, which this information flows. And then that there's the difference between uh, Councillor Jonker suing and Councillor Jonker's lawyers suing, which is not a material difference or a difference at all. And then they called Jonkers, they've added an S to his name here, for clarification over the True North media story, but that call hasn't been returned. And then they're like concerned that the quotes uh, that Jonkers, they gave him the uh, superfluous S again, uh, had in the story were not from us, but from somewhere else. No, we pulled them from the JCCF press release. And then it goes on and on and, and gives some background on the story. And then at the end, they get the name of their own mayor wrong, which was another little amusing aside here. So I, I looked and they, they, they're about 50-50 on how they spell Jonker's name. Sometimes he's Jonker. Sometimes he's Jonkers. Jonker apostrophe S appeared once. So that one I'll give them as a correct one. But the far right label, it was funny. So I originally was attracted to the far right label because that is a, a, a very loaded and I would argue defamatory way of, of describing someone. You're, you're making a statement there. And in the case of True North, not one that's particularly true. But then I read the story and I'm like, this would be like a fake news uh, story contender on its own, even without the swipe at True North, just because it was so bad. Oh, yeah. And well, we, we have an award show at the end of the year to highlight some of the very best of the year. And I think this one is probably going to make an appearance, perhaps. And it's one of our practices at True North not to make ourselves the story, right? We always try and tell the story, not make ourselves a story. But when other news outlets make us the story, we really can't do much about it, right? I've never seen a story about a local politician in a local uh, newspaper or a local media outlet where the subject seems to be the media outlet that also report on the story and not the actual not the actual counselor himself. It's a very bizarre situation where the headline talks about the media that reported on the story and not even necessarily what's going on in the story itself. Like we're like like True North is a part of this whole operation. Andrew, do they, do they think that True North is behind uh, this JCCF lawsuit here? I'm, I'm really it's very bizarre. I've never seen an article like this. 
Yeah, and I, I guess, I mean, the far right thing is a big, big thing. And, and generally speaking, anytime this has appeared, we, we've pushed back against it and it's been changed. Now, in this particular case, they haven't even managed to change their typos. So I'm not optimistic they'll change anything else. And it's not that I'm worried about uh, this influencing the four or five readers of In Saga. Uh, three quarters of those are just me refreshing it while I was reading it again before the show today. It's more that these sorts of things are very dishonest and very disingenuous and they need to be called out and they need to be addressed at source and it shows that bias can sometimes be very subtle and other times it can just like hit you over the head uh, with a giant neon sign so uh, take from that what you will Uh, let's always always keep with tradition here and end with a bit of a fun one Uh, Harrison take it away well you know like we said we try and make it fun at the end of the show and when I first saw this I thought wow this is absolutely hilarious but it's also almost sad how far we've fallen, Andrew, where where we are at in society. So on Global Okanagan, which is one of the regional global news Twitter accounts, there was a video posted about a local performance for Truth and Reconciliation Day, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation Day, otherwise known as Trudeau's Surfing Day, Trudeau's Surfing Vacation Day. Well, it's coming around this year once again. And to celebrate the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, a group is basically, and when I say this, there's a video to go with it, and it'll it'll give you all the visuals you need. But a group is doing a two-spirit drag queen performance to honor Uh, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Just in case we haven't had enough serving of our daily dose of clown world, check this video out. Two-spirit drag artist Ella Lamoureux has partnered with fellow drag artist Rez Daddy and Rebellious Unicorns to mark the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation in a unique way, with a variety show filled with indigo-queer artists. Unfortunately, Day of Reconciliation only happened because they found all those kids in the Kamloops Residential School. So it took a very traumatic event for the rest of the world to start believing Indigenous stories and Indigenous people. So now I feel like it's important for every year to just keep bringing it up and keep bringing it to light again so people don't forget that this is our history and there's still learning and growth and recovery to come from from the past experiences. The variety show is not just a series of performances, it's also an opportunity for the artists to have honest conversations with the audience. It is definitely a moment where we can celebrate Indigenous art but also bring recognition to something that is terrible that happened. But also I feel like if we can marry the two, make people have a big, a very thought-provoking evening but also have people have fun, I feel that it's going to put the message more deeply into their hearts so they're going to remember more. Not only is it a performance that won't soon be forgotten, it's also a fundraiser. The proceeds of the event will be split between um, the performers and artists that are taking part in it, as well as the two charities, the Indian Residential School Survivor Society, as well as the Two-Spirit Motion Society. The Indigenous and Proud event takes place Friday, September 30th at the Creekside Theatre in Lake Country. And tickets are available now. If you can't make it in person, you can always live stream it or catch it online after the event for a fee. Sydney Morton, Global News. So there it is, Andrew. Drag artists Ella Lamoureux and Rez Daddy are marking National Day for Truth and Reconciliation in a unique way in Lake Country with a variety show filled with indigenous queer artists. Andrew, I can't think of a better way to remember the uh, the residential school system and to you know to to memorialize the residential school system than to do a drag queen performance is there anything more insulting to Canada's indigenous population than something like that 
well, surfing, I think, in Tofino. But <laughs> actually, yes, I, you're right. Find it all. I mean, because last year when the surfing thing happened, the view was that this is a day that we are supposed to pay tribute to this with reverence and a level of somberness. And I don't see how it's all that different from doing because if you're having a party, you're you're not really doing anything materially different from surfing in Tofino. I guess you're involving indigenous people, which makes a difference. But uh, this isn't like the quiet contemplation and reflection that I thought the day was supposed to be about. No, exactly. What it is is an opportunity for Andrew, these people to push their ideology onto people under the guise of the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Uh, they're basically using the memories of uh, these these people to push their ideology. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's 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 incredibly uh, condescending. And of course, there's other, there's other language that I can use for it, which I won't use on the show. Uh, there was some interesting uh, commentary on this uh, well-known uh, Twitter uh, Twitter account, Ian Miles Chong, he, he, he commented on this and wrote, dancing over the graves of their ancestors. And yes, they're doing a drag queen dance over the graves of their ancestors. I think it's it's absolutely uh, accurate to write that. John Kay also wrote, just a few years ago, anyone of any race who proposed something so monstrously tasteless as this show would be properly denounced as either unhinged or bigoted. In 2022, on the other hand, Global News broadcasts it like it's some profound act of healing, absolutely beyond satire. It is beyond satire. You know, in the in the description of this event, they write, if we can marry the two, the two being, uh, you know, uh, remembrance of the national of truth and reconciliation of the residential school system. And I guess indigiqueer uh, drag queen dancing, if we can marry the two, this woman writes or this man writes, I don't even know, and make people have a very thought provoking evening, but also people can have fun. I feel like it's going to put the message more deeply in their hearts so they're going to remember more. Yes, exactly. I think we weren't we weren't really aware just yet about what was going on. So thankfully, with this drag queen performance with these indigiqueer artists, we'll finally get the full picture, Andrew, of the residential school system. Progress in Canada is really taking, you know, a new meaning these days. It's it's really kind of as John Kay writes, beyond satire. I don't know if you've seen any of these lately. There's this like trend online, these AI art generators where you can just put in a bunch of like random words and it merges them together in something. I feel that's what happened here where they're just like, well, let's just merge these two things and create something. And it's not quite something that makes sense, but we're going to roll with it anyway. They're actually doing what that Toronto Star columnist was doing, which was like, I've got a few half ideas here. Let's all put them together and just make something new out of it. The panic, the the, the journalistic panic. Yeah, we, we didn't have anything planned for the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. So, uh, well, here's a feather boa. So, all right, let's roll. Thank you to Global News Okanagan. What, what would we do without them, really? What would we do, really, without Global News in general? Uh, but, uh, no, thankfully, uh, the Indigenous community can rest assured that Canada is going to be thinking about the, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation because of this great Indigiqueer uh, drag queen story performance. Wonderful. On that note, we will have to wrap things up there. I want to give a big thanks, as always, to my trusty co-host, Harrison Faulkner, host of Ratioed, which I would definitely encourage you to listen to. And while you're at it, why not subscribe to The Andrew Lawton Show as well, among the other uh, fantastic roster of True North content. We don't have an Indigiqueer drag show, but it is in development, so stay tuned for the weeks ahead. Uh, I'm Andrew Lawton. Talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all.